Father Augustus Tolton was the first Roman Catholic priest in the United States publicly known to be black when he was ordained in 1886. Welcome to the Shalom Case and Show. Today we're talking about Venerable Father Augustus Tolton. He was um, born April 1st, 1854, and he died July 9th of 1897. And like I said, he was the first Roman Catholic priest in the United States publicly known to be black when he was ordained in 1886. The Healy brothers, who we will talk about as well, preceded him all passed for white. And passing, racial passing occurs when a person classified as a member of one racial group is accepted or passes as a member of another. It was very common in the U.S., especially when uh, there was a lot of racism and other things going on. So the Healy brothers we will talk about. Um, a former slave who was baptized and reared Catholic, Tolton studied formally in Rome. He was ordained there on Easter Sunday of 1886 on the Archbasilica of St. John Lateran. Assigned to the Diocese of Alton, now the Diocese of Springfield, Tolton first ministered to his home parish in Quincy, Illinois. Later assigned to Chicago, Tolton led the development and construction of St. Monica's Catholic Church as a Black national parish church, completed in 1893 at 36 and Dearborn Streets on Chicago's south side. And I forgot my banner. Boom. Let me put that banner up there. He was declared venerable by Pope Francis in June of 2019. And one of the things I've been saying, uh, Pope Francis has been really uh, interested in kind of canonizing a lot of people who are kind of on the periphery, like, um, you know, um, indigenous people, black people and things like that, people who aren't normally canonized. However, he's really not getting the gears going and into kind of um, getting a lot of these black people to become saints. I, I wish he would. He has made um, Father Augustus Tolton venerable, but I wish he would kind of move the ball forward on a couple of these other people who I've done videos about. They're great people, and I don't really see a reason why it should just be taking so long to get them because, hey, I'm black and I would like to have more black American saints. What's wrong with that? Nothing. Okay, let's go into the biography right here. His early life, Augustine Tolton was born in Missouri to Peter Paul Tolton and his wife, Martha Jane Chisley, who were enslaved. His mother was raised Catholic, named him after an uncle named Augustus. He was baptized Augustine in St. Peter's Catholic Church near Rensselaer, Missouri, a community in Northeast Missouri. His master was Stephen Elliott, Sevilla Elliott. His master's wife stood as Tolton's godmother. All right, let me pull up. Come. Okay, freedom. How the members of the Tolton family gained their freedom remains a subject of debate. According to accounts, Tolton told friends and parishioners his father escaped first and joined the Union Army. Tolton's mother then ran away with her children, Samuel, Charlie, Augustine, and Anne. With the assistance of sympathetic Union soldiers and police, she crossed the Mississippi River and into the state of Illinois. According to descendants of the Elliott family, though, Stephen Elliott freed all his slaves at the outbreak of the American Civil War and allowed them to move north. 
Augustine's father died of dysentery before the war ended. Dysentery is another one of those nasty diseases. It's a type of gastroenteritis that results in diarrhea with blood. It's nasty. So it was a really big deal back in the early, well, all throughout the 19th century and really in years before, we've only recently been able to get a rid of dysentery because of more cleanliness. Clean water, especially dirty water, causes dysentery. Uh, food that is not clean, things like that, not cleaning your hands properly. So we don't really have to deal with dysentery as much anymore in America, thank goodness. Let's talk about his vocation. After arriving in Quincy, Illinois, Martha, Augustus, and Charlie began working at the Harris Tobacco Company, where they made cigars. After Charlie's death at a young age, Augustine met Peter McGear, an Irish immigrant priest from Fintona County, Tyrone, who gave him the opportunity to attend St. Peter's Parochial School. And a parochial school is a private primary or secondary school affiliated affiliated with a religious organization. So it was a Catholic school um, during the winter months when the factory was closed. The priest's decision was controversial in the parish, although abolitionists were active in the town. And if you didn't know, an ab- abolitionism was the movement that sought to end slavery in the United States. Um, so there were abolitionists who didn't want any slavery. Uh, many of McGear's parishioner objected to a black student at their children's school. So even though some of them were abolitionists, they still didn't, you know, there was a difference in opinion between just abolishing slavery and mixing everybody together. So not everybody wanted integration. Some people wanted slavery to end, but they wanted to keep some segregation. So that was a problem that this priest had to deal with when he put uh, Father Augustus told well, he wasn't father yet, but when he put Augustus into the school. Despite McGear's support, Tolton was rejected by every American seminary to which he applied. And of course, the seminary is where you have to go to become a priest. Impressed by his personal qualities, McGear continued to help him and enabled Tolton's study in Rome. And Rome has been accepting priests from many different countries, nationalities, whatevers, for you know, over a thousand years. So it was no big deal for Rome to accept uh, Augustus Tolton. Why? Because they've accepted black people from Africa before. They've accepted um, Indians from India. They accepted Chinese people, Koreans, all kinds of people from all over the world have gone to Rome to become priests. So for them, it's no big deal. In America, it was different because as I've talked about before with some of the other biographies from this time frame, and you should really check them out on my website, sdkason.com, click the biography tab. You'll see some of the other biographies of people from the 19th century who had to deal with a similar thing, especially Catholics, that it wasn't just racism in the world, in the America, sorry, not in the world because it wasn't all over the world, but in America at that time, that and the Catholics were just free from it. A lot of Catholics went along with the racism because they were people of their time. They weren't holy people who were living up to what Jesus asked, which was that there's not going to be any creed or language or whatever. We're all in Christ, right? Oh, wait, is something frozen a little bit? Oh, my camera's frozen. Let me see if I can fix that. Give me one second. Let's stop the camera and let's restart it. Ah, it's still frozen. That's all right. No big deal. Let's just put it right here like this. Okay, so the point I was getting at was that they were a product of their time. They 
weren't people who were going to stand up and say, no, this isn't the way it should go. They just went along with things such as having segregation, having racism, and things like that. So it's very sad that that was the case, but I'm glad that a lot of people overcame it and a lot of people remained Catholic. They weren't afraid to, um, you know, to say, hey, this is right and this is wrong no matter what. Okay, so we're going to move on to uh, Tolton graduated from St. Francis Solanus College, now Quincy University, and attended the Pontifical Urbanati, this is hard to say, Pontifical Urban University, where he became fluent in Italian language as well as studying Latin and Greek. Now let's talk about his priesthood. Tolton was ordained to the priesthood in Rome in 1886 at age 31. His first public mass was in St. Peter's Basilica on Easter Sunday. And St. Peter's Basilica is a church built in the Renaissance style located in Vatican City, the papal, uh, the papal enclave, which is within the city of Rome. And it's one of the most famous uh, basilicas out there. And a basilica is a type of church. There's different types of churches. We can talk about that in the church history. Um, you know what? Let's go into it a little bit. Why not? So let's talk about specifically what is a basilica. So uh, here we go. Basilica. And a basilica is a large public building with multiple functions. But let's talk about the religious. Here we go. Catholic basilicas. In the Catholic Church, a basilica is a large and important church building. This designation may be made by the Pope or may date from time immemorial. Basilica churches are distinguished for ceremonial purposes from other churches. The building does not need to be a basilica in the architectural sense. Basilicas are either major basilicas, of which there are four, all in the Diocese of Rome, or minor basilicas, of which there are 1,800 worldwide. Okay, so that's a basilica. It's a very important church. Um, he did his first mass at St. Peter's Basilica, which is in Rome, on Easter Sunday in 1886. Here's a picture of, of him right there. Expecting to serve in an African mission, he had been studying its regional cultures and languages. Instead, he was directed to return to the United States to serve the Black community. Tolton celebrated his first mass in the United States at St. Boniface Church in Quincy. He attempted to organize a parish there, but over the years met with resistance from both white Catholics, many of whom were ethnic German and Protestant blacks, who did not want him trying to attract people to another denomination. So it's so sad that Father Augustus Tolton not only had people attacking him of you know, white people attacking him just because they didn't like black people, but he also had black people attacking him because they didn't want, they didn't want him as a Catholic to come into their town. And this is a problem that black people have had for a long time and continue to have to this day. If you don't toe the line, if you're not in, in with the culture exactly the way that, that um, the overarching black culture has determined that the way that you should go, then you're going to be labeled, you're going to be shunned. And, and it, it's just, it's very sad. And I have to deal with it. Lots of other black Catholics or black people who don't want to have the same beliefs as everyone else have to deal with it. People who want to think for themselves, it's very frustrating, not only having to deal with people of other races who might look down on you, but having to look, having to deal with people of your own race who want to look down on you because you want to try something different. 
Um, it is very sad and it has been going on for a long time. Okay. He organized St. Joseph Catholic Church and school in Quincy, but ran into opposition from the new dean of the parish who wanted him to turn away white worshipers from his services. So again, he was having problems with uh, a black person who was in charge of the parish telling him that he needed to turn away white people who are Catholics for whatever reason. Okay, so after reassignment to Chicago, Tolton led a mission society, which is an organized effort to spread Christianity to two new converts. Uh, it was called St. Augustine's, which met in the basement of St. Mary's Church. He led the development and administration of the Negro National Parish of St. Monica's Catholic Church. And a national parish is a type of Catholic parish distinguished by liturgical rights or nationality of the congregation. So, for example, it's going to be a black Church's national parish, meaning that it's for black people. It was built at 36 and Dearborn Streets on the south side of Chicago. The church nave seated 850 parishioners and was built with money from philanthropist Mrs. O Ann O'Neill and Catherine Drexel. And we will talk about Catherine Drexel. Uh, one of these days, I believe she is actually a saint. Yeah, she was the second American to be canonized as a saint and the first one born a U.S. citizen. So we will talk about Catherine Drexel on another one of these podcasts. So St. Monica's Parish grew from 30 parishioners to 600 with the construction of the new building. Tolton's success at ministering to Black Catholics quickly earned him national attention within the Catholic hierarchy. Quote, Good Father Gus, unquote, as he was called by many, was known for his eloquent sermons <clears throat> Excuse me. His beautiful singing voice and his talent for playing the accordion. Isn't that interesting? Several contemporaneous news articles describe his personal qualities and importance. An 1893 article in the Lewiston Daily Sun, written while he worked to establish St. Monica's for African-American Catholics in Chicago, said, quote, Father Tolton is a fluent and graceful talker and has a singing voice of exceptional sweetness, which shows to good advantage in the chants of the high mass. It is no unusual thing for many white people to be seen among his congregation unquote. And isn't that the way it should be? It shouldn't be that there should be a white or a black or anything like that. It should be that the church is exactly how Jesus wanted it. He wants people from all walks of life, all different colors, all different languages to be able to come together and worship him because it's the worship of our blessed Lord Jesus Christ that is going to get us to where we want to go, right? So why should we be having a difficulties of people wanting to get together? This really isn't so much of a problem nowadays, but it was then. And it's good to look back and see how people can go wrong. People don't follow the advice of our blessed Lord. They say they're Christians, but they don't act in a Christian way. And this is what you get. You get people wanting to segregate. But Father Augustus Tolton said, no, anybody can come because God loves us all. All right. Among Chicago's Catholics, Father Tolton found a warm welcome from the Jesuits of Holy Family Church and St. Ignatius College, now St. Ignatius College Prep, which is, um, which is still open. They invited him to stay in the Jesuit residence in the 1869 school building and to preach at the High Mass at Holy Family on January 29th of 1893. Holy Family was then the largest English-speaking parish in Chicago, composed primarily of Irish immigrants and their children who were also struggling to establish a home in the sometimes unwelcoming city. Father Tolton appealed 
at all the masses and collected $500, which is about $14,000 in today's money for St. Monica Church, which was dedicated on January 14th of 1894. And uh, let's talk a little bit more about his life. Uh, Here we go. Let's talk about his death. Wait, I don't want to skip over anything. Okay, Daniel Rudd, who organized the initial National Black Catholic Conference, and I do have a biography about Daniel Rudd at my website, or if you're on YouTube or wherever else you are, search Daniel Rudd, Shalom Kaysen, and you will find it, or you can go to my website, sdkaysen.com, click biographies, you will see the biography of Daniel Rudd I did, which is an extremely interesting biography. Um he organized the National Black Catholic Conference, which was held in 1889, and he was quoted in November 8th of 1888 edition of the Irish Canadian as commenting about the Congress by saying, quote, for a long time, the idea prevailed that the Negro was not wanted beyond the altar rail. And for that reason, no doubt, hundreds of young colored men who would otherwise be officiating at the altar rail today have entered other walks. Now that this mistaken idea has been dispelled by the advent of one full-blooded Negro priest, the Reverend Augustus Tolton, many more have entered the seminaries in this country and Europe, unquote. So it was actually Father Augustus Tolton just being a great holy man and just serving God in the way that God wanted him to. And he encouraged a lot of other young black men to become priests as well. And, and that's a beautiful thing. Another indication of the prominence given Tolton by parts of the American Catholic hierarchy was his participation a few months later on the altar at an international celebration of the centenary of the establishment of the first U.S. Catholic diocese in Baltimore. Writing about it in the New York Times edition of November 11, 1889, the correspondent noted that, quote, as Cardinal Gibbons retired to his dais on the altar at the mass, the reporters in the Im improvised press gallery noticed for the first time, not six feet away from him in the sanctuary among the abbots and other special dignitaries, the black face of Father Tolton of Chicago, the first colored Catholic priest ordained in America, unquote. Let's talk about his death. Tolton began to be plagued by spells of illness in 1893. Because of them, he was forced to take a temporary, temporary, <laughs> temporary, temporary. Sometimes I just get tripped up on words and uh, it gets a little gets a little funny sometimes, a little comedy for you. He took a temporary leave of absence from his duties at St. Monica's Parish in 1895. At the age of 43, on July 8th of 1897, he collapsed and died the following day at Mercy Hospital as a result of the heat wave in Chicago in 1897. After a funeral, which included 100 priests, Tolton was buried in the priest lot in St. Peter's Cemetery in Quincy, which had been his expressed wish. After Tolton's death, St. Monica's was made a mission of St. Elizabeth's Church. In 1924, it was closed as a national parish as Black Catholics chose to attend parish churches in their own neighborhoods. Let's talk about his legacy and honors. Tolton is the subject of the 1973 biography From Slave to Priest by Sister Carolyn Hamesath, the book was reissued by Ignatius Press. So if you want to know a lot more about Augustus Tolton and not just watch my biography, which is good to do, check out the book From Slave to Priest. 
1990, Sister Jamie T. Phelps, OP, and Adrian Dominican Sister, and then faculty member of the theology department at Catholic Theological Union, initiated the Augustus Tolton Pastoral Ministry Program in consultation with Don Sr., president of CTU, the theology faculty, and representatives of the Archdiocese of Chicago to prepare, educate, and form Black Catholic laity for ministerial leadership in the Archdiocese of Chicago. The Father Tolton Regional Catholic High School opened in Columbia, Missouri in 2011. Augustus Tolton Catholic Academy opened in the fall of 2015 in Chicago, Illinois. Tolton Academy is the first stream school in the Archdiocese of Chicago, a focus on science, technology, religion, engineering, arts, and math sets it apart as a premier elementary school in Chicago. So this school, which is named after Father Augustus Tolton, is is one of the premier elementary schools in Chicago. Tolton Academy is located at St. Columbanus Church. Now let's talk about his cause for beatification and his canonization. On March 2nd of 2010, Francis George of Chicago announced that he was beginning an official investigation into Tolton's life. And Francis Eugene George was an American cardinal um, of the Catholic Church. He was the eighth archbishop of Chicago. So since he was the Archbishop of Chicago, it is his job to try to figure out if somebody should be canonized or not. They present that person to Rome, and then Rome looks over all the evidence and then makes their decision. So um, so, so Cardinal George started the investigation into Tolton's life and virtues with a view to opening the cause for his canonization. And we've talked about this in other biographies. A canonization is declaring that um, somebody who's died was, was, became a saint, basically. They didn't become a saint, but their life showed after reviewing all the data that they are definitely in heaven based on how faithful they were to God. That's basically what the canonization process is. And it is a long process because they want to be sure that they don't let somebody slip through and they didn't study their life well enough to see that maybe something was going on behind the scenes that shouldn't have been. So this cause for sainthood is also being advanced by the Diocese of Springfield, Illinois, where Tolton first served as priest, as well as the Diocese of Jefferson City, Missouri, where his family was enslaved. On February 24th of 2011, the Roman Catholic Church officially began the formal introduction of the cause for Tolton's sainthood, which, which must take place in a public session. He is now designated he was at that time designated a servant of God, which is a first step in sainthood. Also at, at that time, there was the establishment of historical and theological commissions, which would investigate the life of Tolton and the Father Tolton Guild, which is responsible for the promotion of his cause through spiritual and financial endeavors. Um, Cardinal George assigned Joseph Perry, Auxiliary Bishop of Chicago, to be the diocesan postulator for the cause of Tolton's canonization. And a postulator is just somebody who is going to basically try to fight. It's almost like a lawyer for the for the deceased person to try to fight and defend and say, hey, this person was really holy. And I don't want you to bring a whole bunch of evidence that's not is fake evidence. I don't want it. I only want all the real stuff. Let's get all the real information about them out. We got this life story. We got biographies. We got interviews from people. We have all the organizations they started. Hey, they're holy. Okay. Um, on September 29th, 2014, Cardinal George formally closed the investigation into the life and virtues of 
Tolton. The dossier of research into Tolton's life went to the Vatican, where the documents collected to support his cause uh, were analyzed, bound into a book called a positio, or official position paper, and evaluated by theologians and then supporters. And um, at that time, supporters hoped passed on to the Pope, who would be able to declare Tolton venerable if he determined Tolton led a life of her heroic virtue. And of course, some of this article is old because, yeah, that did actually happen. On December 10th of 2016, Tolton's remains were exhumed and verified as part of the canonization process. Following procedures laid out in canon law, a for forensic pathologist verified that the remains, which included a skull, femurs, ribs, vertebrae, pelvis, and portions of arm bones, belonged to Tolton. Also found were the corpus from a crucifix, part of a Roman collar, the corpus from Tolton's rosary, and glass shards indicating his coffin had a glass top. After verification, the remains were dressed in a new chasuble and reburied. So a corpus is just a Latin word for a body, and um, Catholics actually always have, not always, but nine times out of ten Catholics have the corpus on their cross. They don't just have the cross by itself. Because a corpus, the body of Jesus Christ, is a reminder of the suffering that he went through to remind us that we aren't going to be relieved of the suffering. We are not going to be relieved of any persecution or anything like that just because Jesus already died and suffered. Jesus said, pick up your cross and carry it with me. So Catholics kind of like to put the focus more on the body of Christ on the cross, whereas some Protestants do not like that. They do not like to see Jesus on the cross. They want to they want to focus on the salvation that happened and not so much the suffering that still remains. Christ definitely wants us to continue suffering with him. We can all agree on that. Just the way that we want to remember it is different between Catholics, Orthodox, and Protestants. Catholics and Orthodox, they're going to have the corpus the body of Christ on their crosses that they wear around their necks. Most Protestants are not, although some do, uh, because they would like to focus more on the salvation aspect than on the suffering aspect. But it's the same purpose. The same purpose is to become closer to Christ. Whether you wear a cross with a corpus or not, you're still trying to remember that Christ did something important for you. And just the way we remember is a little bit different. That's all. Okay. Um, so they found all those things and then they reburied him. Part of the canonization process is always exhuming the body to see if there's any uh, miraculous things going on, such as a, a particular organ not decaying or maybe the whole body not decaying. Usually from time to time, they'll find a saint where a particular organ hasn't decayed like a heart or a lung or something specific, like a hand one hand won't have decayed. And whether you consider it miraculous or not, those are the things that they look for when they exhume a body. And usually they just find the body and they find a couple of things that they had on them when they were buried and they put new clothes on them and they rebury them. Or sometimes they bury them in a different place, like in a church, or they bury them in a location that is open in a glass kind of casket so people can see them. Moving on, on March 8th of 2018, historians that consult the Congregation for the Causes of Saints unanimously issued their assent to Tolton's cause after having received and favor favorably reviewed the positio that was presented to them. So they looked at the evidence and they're like, this guy's great. On February 5th of 2019, the nine-member Theological Commission unanimously voted to approve the cause. It, it then went to the cardinal and bishop members of the congregation for approval before it was passed on to the Pope for his final confirmation. 
On June 12th of 2019, Pope Francis authorized the promulgation of a decree of heroic virtue, advancing the cause of servant of God Augustus Tolton. With the promulgation of the decree of heroic virtue, Tolton was granted the title venerable. If the case progresses, the next stage would be beatification, followed by canonization. So there's four steps. There's servant of God, then there's venerable, and then there's beatification. And then there's canonization. And I need to make probably a separate video about the canonization process. And I think I will do that. So let's talk about a little bit about further reading that you can do. You can check out, um, let's see, I want to see about that book. So Augustus Tolton in, at, at encyclopedia.com. You can also, there's lots of articles on this Wikipedia website from different newspapers. So you can actually look into all these different newspapers and find out about that. You've got the New York Times, you got um, the Chicago, Chicago newspapers, lots of different things. Uh, which The Catholic Chronicle. But I'm trying to find that particular book that, let me see. There's a Father Tolton Guild, and they have a lot of information about him. You can go to their website. And do, 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 do. there is a PDF called they they called him Father Gus. You can check out that. That's on the Wikipedia page as well. They called him Father Gus. So let's see. That's about it. But the book that you really want to check out is if I can find it again. Uh, where was that book? Oh, From Slave to Priest by Sister Catherine Hamesath. So if you want to learn a lot more about Father Augustus Tolton, check out the book From Slave to Priest from your library or, I don't know, Ignatius Press. You can look on the Ignatius Press website. It's probably on Amazon as well. And that's it. Oh, so we want to do a quick recap. So who was Father Augustus Tolton? So basically he was a slave. He was freed sometime around the Civil War. And uh, let's talk about slavery for a little bit. And it always comes up because I'm doing kind of the 19th century and it was that time, right? So uh, the problem that we have with slavery and how we can learn from it and how we can become holier, because that's the whole point of these biographies, right? How can we become holier based on other people's mistakes and based on other people's good things that they did based on their virtues? So with slavery, the big problem is just not respecting people, not respecting human beings, not loving our neighbors as we love ourselves, which is what Jesus says to do in the Bible. Love God and then love your neighbor as you would love yourself, right? Treat your neighbor as you would like to be treated. That's simple. When you have slavery, that's just a simple breaking down of love. People are not willing to love each other, just like you wouldn't want to be a slave. So why would you make someone else a slave? And why would you treat them in a way that makes them property? That's just simple. That's one of the simplest things that God asks us to do. Love God and love your neighbor. And you just can't love your neighbor if you own them. So that's what we can learn from that. That just remember the simplest, the simplest advice that Jesus gave is so powerful. Love God and love your neighbor. And we have all, all these slavery issues. We had them in America because and, and over the world, there's still slavery in some parts of the world at this time. 
And we're having those problems because people are unwilling to love their neighbors. So after he was freed, he was a priest, took a liking to him, put him in a private school, and then even helped him get to Rome so he could become a priest there because they didn't want to allow him to become a priest in America because they were upset about him being black. And so we're coming back to the same issue of love your neighbor. And we need to stop and ask ourselves, how can we love our neighbor better? That's one of the things that we need to think about. And it's a very simple command from God, but it's a very powerful one that we have segregation and we have people not wanting other people to do certain things because they're a different color or whatever because of lack of love, because of a lack of love. So the answer to a lack of love is not more hate. It isn't, hey, those people are racist or they're this or they're that. So we need to we need to get rid of this and get rid of that. And we need to turn everything around. That's not the answer. The answer is to love more. And how do we love our neighbors more? By, by inviting them in, by doing things that we would want done to us. So but we want to love them like we would love ourselves. We say, you know what? Whatever they're going through, I don't know. Why they're treating me this way, I don't know. I'm not going to say that it's because they're that way, because they're racist, or because they do this, or because they do that. I need to try to figure out um, how I can love them more, how I can pray for them without judging them, without saying why they did what they did. I don't know why they did it. Maybe they're going through something in their life. They need help from God, okay? So let me pray that God can help them instead of getting more angry. And that is the route that a lot of people are going right now. They're separating. They're going into different tribes. Everybody's getting more angry. That's not what we need to do right now. We need to love more. We need to pray for each other more. And we definitely need to pray for the people we consider to be our enemies instead of jumping the gun and saying, well, this is why this is happening. Everything's messed up. We need to, first of all, look at the good things we have, the good things that God has given us. Just like, for example, there are a lot of bad things in Father Augustine's life, uh, Augustus' life, but this priest, um, Peter McGear, really helped him out. So this priest is a light in the darkness, and there's always a light in the darkness, and the, and the tiniest light can dispel any amount of darkness. There is no amount of darkness that can stop a tiny little light. So, so we need to think about that. So that priest helped him get to Rome, and he studied in Rome and be, was able to become a priest. And Rome is kind of an example, if we want to learn from history, Rome is the example of loving our neighbors. Rome accepted anybody. They accepted pe Spanish people from Spain. They accepted uh, French people from France. They accepted um, English people from from um the UK and from Canada and from America, and they accepted Africans from Africa and Chinese people from China. I mean, they accepted everyone from everywhere. So Rome at the time was really a good example of loving your neighbor, right? They accepted anyone to become a priest because they really wanted to answer God's call to go forth and baptize all nations. And in his priesthood, he didn't just start a Black-only church. That's a beautiful thing about Father Augustus Tolton. He's, he just started a church and even had people telling him, hey, this needs to be a Black-only church because you're Black. People telling him, you can't preach at our church because you're Black. When he had his church, he didn't say, you can't come because you're white. He said, everybody can come. A mass is, this is for everybody. This celebration, this... Um, this, you know, worshiping of Jesus, anyone can come to this. If if you want to believe, you can come. Even if you don't believe, you can come. As long as you're not going to bother anybody else, you want to worship Jesus, 
go for it. If you want to sit in the back and you don't want to worship Jesus, go for it. Everybody's welcome. Black, white, whatever. Come on in. And that's really beautiful about him. And his story is really about loving our neighbors as we love ourselves. This is what his whole story is about. And some people would say, well, the story is about racism and overcoming racism. The story is really about overcoming people who want to live in their sin, people who want to stay sinning. The sin is not accepting people, not loving people, not praying for people who we disagree with. That is the sin. And the real problem isn't the racism. Racism is an outgrowth of not listening to God's commands. So the real thing that we need to focus on is how can we become holier? How can we become more virtuous? And these other problems, God will take care of them. Okay, so, and um, he just had a great life serving the community. And at, at the end of his life, he was finally recognized for everything had, that he did by many different people in the church white people, black people, everyone recognized that he did a great thing for the church. So we can learn that we need to love. We need to love others as we would want ourselves to be loved. And we need to remember God's command to go forth and baptize all nations, not to just go forth and baptize people you like. Go forth and baptize your family members. Go forth and baptize the people who look like they're interested in it and not the people who might be a little, you know, worrisome about it. No, he said, go forth and baptize all nations. And we need to remember that. We need to remember that it is our job to accept everyone as they are. If they're committing a sin, we don't need to go with them and commit that sin. No, we we should tell them in the calmest, <laughs> most brotherly, sisterly way as possible that it's wrong what they're doing. But, you know, at the same time, the, our most important thing isn't to change them. Our most important job is to pray for them. That's our most important job, to pray for them and to love them. And through that prayer and through that love, hopefully they will change their sinful ways. And we can see with what Father Augustus Tolton did, he didn't fight some major battle. He didn't have a, a rally and he didn't do a big, huge parade and we're going to march through and we're going to show them what we're all about. He just prayed. He was a priest. It's his job to pray the mass every day. He prayed and people flocked to him because he showed them the beauty of the love of Jesus Christ. And that's it for today. Thank you so much for learning about Father Augustus Tolton on the Shalom Kaysen Show, and I will catch you next time. Until then, God bless and stay holy, my friends.